What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Junkyard. I am your host, The Junkyard, James. And today we're going to talk about a few things. First thing is I'll I'll give my overall general opinion on AEW's title Tuesday last night, live from Independence, Missouri, and and, uh, just my overall take on what was going on. We'll talk about a little bit of controversy regarding what uh, something that happened in AEW. Um, and then I'll, I'll end the show by continuing the series on what I like to call the Junkies Awards. Uh, this week we'll go over the top 10 females of 2023. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Join the conversation using hashtag in the junkyard. Follow, like, subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. And to the Facebook and Twitter page, as you see on the ticker below. Let's get into this. AEW Title Tuesday. I thought it was actually a really good show. And so let's set the scene here. MLB playoffs are underway. And this is something that AEW is going to run into. Every single year around this time where the NHL starts up and the MLB's playoffs start up, those are going to be your moneymakers. So TBS, TNT are always going to have them in primary spots. With that being said, AEW had to be, by network decision, time slot changed to Tuesday this week because of the games going on currently right now, which is why AEW isn't on TV right now. And so they're going head to they went head to head last night against NXT. And so coming into this, this was my expectation. My expectation was looking at what was announced by NXT that people like John Cena and Cody Rhodes and Oscar and uh, Paul Heyman and then later on before the show LA Knight and Solo Sokoa and etc. amounts of people The Undertaker were going to be at the show, I expected an NXT number that was higher than, significantly higher than AEW. That, let's just be honest, that's my thought process. But my coming into it, I thought that AEW would eke out a win in the key demo. So, so my thought process was NXT would win the overall average viewer. And AEW would win the demo. That, that, that was what I was going into this. Um, this is not a, a knack on Tony Khan in any such way. But he waited, I think, a couple days too long to really start pushing and promoting the show and, and naming matches and such. Um, and so with that being said, we go into t- to Tuesday. And Tony Khan Monday night and into Tuesday morning was just on another level um, on social media. And I, I started to think, you know what? He's going to put together a really good card, and he did. First 30 minutes of AEW, 
at least the first 30 minutes was advertised as commercial free. It ended up being 46 minutes commercial free to start the show. And I, and I don't want to do a breakdown, but, but here's my take on the show here that we started the show side by side, Cody Rhodes on NXT, Brian Danielson fighting swerve on the other. And now I didn't watch NXT. So from what I was unable to understand, the first 15 minutes was Cody Rhodes rambling on like he always does. Meanwhile, on the other show, if, if you're a fan of actual wrestling and, you know, having wrestling matches on your show, Brian Danielson was putting on an all-time classic with Swerve Strickland. Goes to all the way commercial free. Afterwards, Powerhouse Hobbs comes out commercial free with Chris Jericho. And then the first commercial break ha- happens, like I said, 46 minutes in. And AEW did what I think they should do going forward. They made great space of their picture-in-picture commercials by Tony Storm and later in the show Don Callis doing promo-type things in picture-in-picture. So whether that was what Don Callis did with doing his promo on the poster boards like Sammy Guevara used to do, or what or what Tony Storm did where she was just doing like her silent, her silent movie gimmick that she's a part of. And she was just acting out from what I was, from what I told, I didn't catch this. And so maybe this was just blind to the eye here. She was acting out and portraying the commercials that were going on at that time, which if that is true, that is brilliant marketing for, for AEW and they need to continue to do so. Um, we, we get we get matches like Orange Cassidy versus uh, Ray Phoenix, where Orange Cassidy regains the AEW International Championship for his second reign. This is going to be a good reign as well. I, I think this sets up for when Mox is cleared for Orange Cassidy to fight Mox again. I think maybe this time Orange Cassidy gets to win. I'm not 100% sure how that would be booked. We get matches like Hikaru Shida versus Soraya, where... Sheeta wins the AEW belt. And this women's division is going to be the talk of the town, I think, the next couple of months with how good of work Tony Storm is doing. And they're really pushing her to do her gimmick. Um, we have Sheeta here, possible debuts of people like Mercedes Monet, Mariah May. I think AEW maybe is finally starting to put a focus on this women's division, and it's going to be really good to watch here in the, in the next future. And so this is how I sum up. This is how I summed up the differences between AEW and NXT. And then afterwards, I'll, I'll give you through the numbers, and, and I'll, I'll I'll give you my raw honest opinion on the numbers. But first, both companies provided what they do best. NXT gave you sports entertainment. You had your talk shows, your your very little in-ring action from what I understand. Again, I didn't watch the, sh- the, the, sh- the show itself, but from, from the commentary that I received, there was a lot of promos, a lot of veterans coming out. They, they stacked the show with basically the Ruthless Aggression Era, and they stacked the show, and there was a lot of promos. There was a lot of setting up things. And it, and it makes sense for why NXT did it that way. They just came off of the No Mercy pay-per-view, so they don't have a lot of storylines built 
my my reasoning for not liking them doing this is they're not building any stories as they're going this week. Whereas with AEW, you built a, a feud continued with Swerve Strickland and Adam Hangman Page with both members costing each other, both, both fighters costing the other uh, their match that night and then coming out at the end of in that waylay to, to continue the, the feud going. You built the story with Adam Cole and Roddy and, and the kingdom and, 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 and Cole not being able to be there for Max. You build the feud with Max and Jay White. And we'll talk about that. That's the controversy there I want to talk about here in a minute. Um, you build stories with Danielson fighting um, Christian Cage for the uh, TNT Championship next week, I believe it is, or in a couple weeks. Um, or, and I'm sorry, it's on Collision this Saturday uh, is when Danielson fights. And so where AEW built stories, continued stories, they didn't have to use one-off people to come in and and pop a rating. They, they, can, they went with the direction of, I'm just going to give you the best two at two hours plus of wrestling that we can and we're not even going to try to sports entertain you we're just going to give you a lot of wrestling and and pushing stories and so that's what they did you didn't see a lot of the the comedy gimmicks like uh the acclaimed you saw them for a half a minute there um but on but on nxt you got the the ruthless aggression reunion and it was just a bunch of main roster stars just to pop a rating compared to NXT, I'm sorry, AEW, where you actually had story progression. You had things going on that it it basically was just a bigger version of a typical AEW Dynamite. They didn't do anything different. They didn't really change the formula. It was just the same old, same old. And so we get to the numbers. And again, I came into this expecting NXT to run the table because, again, they stacked the show with the Ruthless Aggression Reunion is what I'm going to call it. John Cena, Undertaker, some current stars like L.A. Knight and and Dom and Becky Lynch and Asuka and, I mean, Cody Rhodes. I feel like the whole damn show was just a Monday Night Raw on Tuesday. And so I expected NXT to pull a higher number, but I my belief was that AEW was going to pull the, the key demo. And so let me give you the numbers here. Per Brian Alvarez, NXT 921,000, key demo 0. .30, AEW 609,000, key demo 0. .26. So the biggest shock of the day for me was that NXT actually took the key demo. But then again, I think about it this way. You get these big stars on this show. So so typically NXT's running, they've been running lower to mid 800s, thousands every, every week, the last several weeks. So you add John Cena and Cody Rhodes and Becky Lynch and Undertaker and all of these other people, and you can only attract not 
120,000 more people. You can only pull the demo up by just a little bit of a percentage on a night that you've owned for two years. You can only raise your rating from the week prior by close to 60, 70,000 people with the undertaker and all of these other people that you've brought in. You can't pull a million. You can't pull Monday night raw numbers. So swing this however you want. Yes, NXT wins, I guess, quote unquote, the battle. They got the better rating. They got the better demo. But AEW's on a completely different night. AEW's on a completely different, you know, schedule. You have to fight. There are people that watch NXT on Tuesday. They probably tuned into NXT. I don't know. But then they watch AEW on Wednesday. Well, now they're not watching AEW this week, at least live. Maybe they're watching it taped or the day after on demand. And so I expected... AEW to pull a number like this. My biggest concern with NXT is, yeah, they pulled a 921, but what happens next week? What happens next Tuesday when Undertaker doesn't show up and John Cena's not there and Cody Rhodes isn't there and et cetera, et cetera? Can you pull a 921 again next week unopposed, uncontested? I don't see it. I don't see how it's possible. If the, if I'll say this. If you look at the numbers, and NXT pulls another number like they did, 921, with a .3 in the key demo, which is the 18 to 49. I'll get on this show next week when I have my next show. I think it'll be next Thursday, probably. And I will get on there and say that NXT proved me wrong. And I'll admit that NXT is moving in the right direction but I don't see them getting another 900,000. My belief is next week it goes back to normal. They're back into the upper 700s or the low 800,000. Because the people that you got to watch last week or this week, yesterday, that you popped this big number for, that you loaded this card with a bunch of people from my childhood, they're not going to be there. And you didn't give them a lot of something to to look forward to next week. So yes, NXT can pull a 921 this week with a point three in the key demo. But can they pull it again next week? And if they can, I'll come on next week on the show and say they proved me wrong. Now NXT or now AEW title Tuesday. You look at this number 609,000 and it seems a little bit disingenuous it seems like damn we lost we got our ass kicked but i don't i don't really think so combined nxt and aew pulled 1.5 million people that's the same number of people that watch monday night raw on monday between the time that they ran head-to-head last year and the time that they ran head-to-head this year the demo went up from a combined 0.44 to a combined 0.56. So this is what I can take from this. AEW may have lost the numbers game. But when they go back to Wednesday next week, I think they pull a 900,000. 
I, I really think they do because they give you, they have given you a lot of stories to tell you. I think there's a lot of things that AEW did well that people are going to want to tune in next week. And the people that watched NXT yesterday that typically watch AEW on Wednesday will be back and watch AEW live next Wednesday. So I do think the numbers for AEW are a little, there's a reason behind it. It's not an excuse. AEW didn't pull a number, but it is a number that, um, fuck, even Eric Bischoff caught this, this number that AEW is going to pull a 600,000. So the number isn't surprising to me. I think the encouraging thing is that even though cable TV is going down 7 to 9% a year, that the demos are going up from a 0.44 to a 0.56. I think that's good news for the wrestling industry and that people actually care more about wrestling than these people uh, actually think they do. So enough about the numbers. Let's talk about a controversy that happened on AEW, apparently. Maxwell Jacob Friedman having a promo battle with Jay White. And at the end, uh, Juice Robinson talks about the dynamite diamond ring battle royal that's happening and that he's going to win and he's going to fight mjf and win the dynamite diamond ring and at the at the end he pulled out a roll of quarters with maxwell jacob friedman's last name friedman on it and the entire internet exploded at this point calling it too too soon anti-semitic he should read the room he should do this he should do that that uh, this was just uncalled for by AEW. Well, I don't know how uh, MJF feels. It sounds like he he got he gave the clearance for this to happen. He says he says in a tweet that he posted um, a few hours ago, "I'm actually Jewish." I've actually gone through this. This is my real life, my story. And I look forward to giving catharsis to every single person who's ever been oppressed or bullied. If you think I'd play with that or take it lying down or worst of all, hide from the hard conversations like a coward, you're on crazy pills. I look forward to the hard conversations this starts and creates. I look forward to people being further educated. My life's work is to stand up to any and all injustices done to people due to something stupid as being different etc etc you can read his the rest of his uh tweet that he posted there listen i understand this the timing is kind of weird the timing is kind of off especially with what's going on in israel and palestine right now the timing seems a little bit over the edge but this is a classic storyline Good versus evil, and good always wins, and the evil guy never wins, and and the guy that's saying anti-Semitic things isn't going to win. And I think a couple things, that this is a a good time for this because I think tomorrow Maxwell is doing a speech at a Stop Jewish Hate rally. So this is perfect to set up the storyline so that he can use this event that he's going to to not only speak about stopping Jewish hate, which is something we all should should want, and, and anti-Semitism has no place in, in the world, 
But this is a good way. The theater, the entertainment business is a good way to use the business to talk about these hard topics in a way that is entertaining and educational. And that if you're going to say something anti-Semitic, you're not going to win. That it is wrong. That it is bad. That evil is not the correct answer and this is the story that they're going to tell. If you think Juice Robinson is going to come out of this and beat MJF, you're crazy. This is setting up to be a, the classic storyline where the good guy who's being bullied comes out and it's like and it's he slays the evil anti-Semitic rhetoric that's being thrown at him. He's, he's introducing, and again, Maxwell, this isn't the first time he's used parts of his enti- his childhood or his past and storyline. Think about what he did with, with uh, CM Punk. Think about what he's done with Adam Cole and, and sharing that he looked up to Adam Cole. He looked up to William Regal. He looked up to CM Punk. He's using parts of his actual life to to spread the story, and this is no different. And yet, Juice Robinson, let's use part of his shtick, where he he literally has been hitting people with quarters, and and use this as as a way to tell the story that evil never wins. That anti-Semitism has no place in the world, and that if you are anti-Semitic, at the end you're going to you're going to lose. The battle. And this is a way to educate people uh, on things, on Jewish culture that may not have exposure to it, but they love pro wrestling. And so Maxwell can educate them on, on, on his Jewish culture. The theater, the entertainment business is the perfect way to expose poor ideology and educate people to the correct way. Is the timing a little off? Yes, the timing is a little off. I will give them that. Maybe, maybe they could have pushed it back a week. I don't, I don't know why it was given the okay. But I don't, I don't think we should hoot and holler over MJF or Juice Robinson or Tony Connor or say that anybody's in the wrong here because you got to let the story progress. And I'm almost 100% certain to. To think that this storyline ends up with Maxwell Jacob Friedman going over, over Juice Robinson and the the guy that's given the supposed anti-Semitic rhetoric loses, and evil never wins. That's the storyline there. It's a it's a classic wrestling story. Evil never wins. Think about though the the hypocrisy of these WWE people. To talk about this, when Vince McMahon has been on camera, on storyline, using the N-word, and Generation X shows up and does a promo in blackface against Nation of Domination, and a bunch of all of these other things that WWE has done in their past, and yet, not to say that they're right or wrong, and they probably wouldn't fly in today's day and age. But WWE has used hard topics, hard things to to promote Evil Never Wins. And this is what AEW is going to do as well. Don't want to harp too much on it. 
Let me know what you guys think. Did it go too far? Did Maxwell Jacob Friedman segment with Juice Robinson go too far on the 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 joke there, on the anti-Semitism there? Let's go to the main part of this show. That 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 I've had fun. This it's really been a tough challenge for me. It's really been a tough challenge for me the last couple of weeks. And this is part of the reason why I, I um, left here for last week. I had a couple things going on last Thursday, so I didn't do an episode last week. And so we're pushing back this part of the show a week from the schedule posted on the Facebook and the Twitter page. The top 10 women of 2023, and again, like I did two weeks ago, the criteria to me is who are the best, but also who's ex- advanced their stock in the industry the most over the past year. And so so let's start with number 10, and it's Bianca Belair, because I feel like Bianca Belair didn't do a lot to improve her stock, but she is now a tried-and-true woman that if WWE needs someone to pull a match together, Bianca Belair is someone that they can trust. She's at the top of her game, the top of her, her company's division, in the women's division. And she is just have she she hasn't had as great of a year as she has in the past couple of years, but she's just so dominant and so good. And um I love Bianca Belair. She's had a, a really decent year, and so she is number 10 on my list. Number 9 is Thea Hale. And so, like I said, I don't watch a lot of WWE product. I don't watch a lot of NXT. Thea Hale is someone, though, that I think can be a superstar, especially now with this this change to this like heel gimmick. I think, again, she might be a Julia Hart, where she didn't fit in in the babyface role. But you give her this heel role, and it's going to just be a natural fit, I think, for Thea. Um, and she's really young, 18 or 19 years old, has a lot of potential to grow and get better. And her stock in the company is pretty high. They, they've given her a lot of, of time on screen. And so I think they have a lot of trust that Thea Hale can grow in the future. And it wouldn't surprise me if at some point she wins the NXT title. It wouldn't surprise me at some point she wins a bunch of other championships on SmackDown or Raw. Um, I like Thea Hale, and I think she's going to hopefully grow up this list in, in 2024, at the end of 2024, from nine to somewhere else. Let's go to number eight, Roxanne Perez. Prior to her injury, or whatever medical instance that she had a couple months back, I think Roxanne Perez would have been a little bit higher on this list. But she's at number eight because she started the year. I, I was at NXT's pay-per-view in Charlotte in February. I think it was Vengeance Day. And I posted then that she's going to be a superstar. But I've I've looked, I've looked uh, watched Roxanne Perez from her time at Ring of Honor when she went by Roxy, teaming with Deanna Perrazzo several years back. She's young. She has a lot of potential. I put her at number eight on this list. She's an, again another one of those people that NXT can trust to have good matches. They've put her. They put her with Oscar last night. Which the, I mean, if Oscar's going to fight you, and Oscar's one of the top of her class, they really put trust that you can carry a match with her. So Oscar sits there at number eight, number seven. I think this is one of the most intriguing characters in all of 
pro wrestling at this point, especially in the women's division. But she's kind of breaking onto the scene really close to the end of the year. So I couldn't justify putting her any higher than seven. And that's Julia Hart. Again, her gimmick um, with with Brian Pillman Jr. and um, Griff Garrison, varsity athletes or varsity blondes or whatever they called themselves, um, I didn't like it. It was really just vague and bland and felt like a 1980s gimmick. She started joining the House of Black, and especially the last several months, Julia Hart has been one of the most intriguing characters in all of AEW and in all of all pro wrestling. Um, again, she's really young, um, 19 or 20 years old, has a lot of potential to grow, and I, I hope to see Julia Hart eventually win an AEW championship. I think she should have beaten Chris Statlander the other week. Um, for the TBS title, but that didn't work out the way that it should have, in my opinion. Number six, Sky Blue. This year, she signed with AEW. She's on ROH all the time. She's on AEW programming all the time. AEW really has a lot of um, desire to push her, it seems like. She's um, Young, again, like a lot of these women are really young and they have a lot of potential and they've just grown in the stock. She's moving up in the women's division that I think she can be a, be a key piece to putting this AEW women's division together and forming a whole picture instead of what we've had the last several years. I think they're starting to finally put together the picture of what this women's division can be. And I think a big part of this picture, not only Julia Hart at seven, but Sky Blue at six. So we get to the top five, and these are the top five. Again, you judge this based off how good of a wrestler or a performer they are, mixed with mixed in with how much they increased their stock. And number five is Jade Cargill, and she probably could be moved up on this list. And when you talk about improved stock, she made a bag this year because of the work she did in AEW. She signed a big contract with WWE, and it looks like they're rolling out the red carpet for Jade Cargill coming soon um i think she's going to be in the performance center probably in the rest of the year i think she makes her main roster debut at the royal rumble in january um but jade cargill she aw treated her as good as you could be treated in terms of booking she didn't lose until her last two matches um and she left went to wwe and she made a bag she raised her stake WWE, again, without a, without her work in AEW, remember in 2019, Jade Cargill had a con, like, uh, tryout with WWE, didn't make it, goes to AEW, and now she raised her stake because she's where she was originally wanting to go in the first place, probably making more money than she would have had she gotten that original contract. So Jade Cargill sitting at number five. Number four, Rhea Ripley. And here's one that I had to put personal feelings for the character aside. I'm not a big Rhea Ripley fan. I really am. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of that gothic aesthetic. doesn't fit me personally. I understand the aesthetic works for a certain audience. It's just not my favorite thing. Um, the whole Judgment Day thing is kind of bland to me. But she, you got to admit that she's had a very fucking good year. She, She's... Uh, She's done really well with Dom, and she's just raised her stake to be 
in the main card picture of the women's division for years to come. And so Rhea Ripley, you're sitting at number four. Let's see if you can go up any further next year. Number three, I think, is AEW's best character overall. Best woman, most trusted woman is Britt Baker. I put her at number three. And it's because she didn't have that great of a year in terms of booking. She didn't really win any major you know, feuds. Um, she's just kind of taking a backseat picture. But she has, she's had a dominant, a, a pretty good year. She's been in title matches. She's been in main card, main event style matches. She's been a, a prominent figure in the women's division this year. And it's kind of doled off as the year's gone to its end. But Britt Baker, you got to admit, has had a really damn good year. Number two, until her injury, she probably would have been number one. But she's had a good year as well. And I can't wait for the eventual turn on Britt Baker. Number two, Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter just rocks, was a rock star on the scene here. Her feud with Tony Storm, again, prior to her injury, was really good. Um, I think Jamie Hayter, when she's able to come back, is going to come back with a vengeance, come back and, and maybe win that AEW women's title again. And and I, she set herself to be the number one or number two girl in the women's division for Tony Khan and AEW for, for the unseeable future. But number one, number one again. Again, this she kind of she kind of had a really good year, probably a top five year. But then the last couple months, this this lady has really just perfected her gimmick, and that's Tony Storm. I think Tony Storm is the the best character and the best female of 2023. And who would have thought that she comes in here after being cut from WWE? She gets she gets placed in a feud with Thunder Rosa um you know, and the the or a tag team with Thunder Rosa, Thunder Storm, they go in. Thunder Rosa wins the title. The idea was to, I think, eventually have them both fight each other. Thunder Rosa gets hurt. Tony Storm wins the title, and then gets caught interim. They have that feud that she hates the interim title, so they just strip Thunder Rosa of her title, make Tony Storm the official AEW Women's Champion. This was at the back end of last year, I think. And she comes in. She loses the belt, I think, to Hayter, Jamie Hayter, early on in this year. And then gets put together with um, Ruby Soho and Soraya with the Outsiders. They had a really good run of, the, of a couple months there. And then uh, it sets out for, for All In. In, in Wembley, where Tony Storm and Soraya are fighting each other in that four-way match, and Soraya pins Tony Storm, fi uh, fights within you know the out the outcast. Now Tony Storm is in this uh, timeless Tony gimmick where she's just kind of lost her mind and just saying really random things. Uh, I think the best gimmick now is you know head up, tits out. Wait for the shoe. I think it's just such a great, great line, a great um, gimmick. Tony Storm is my top woman of the year, and I think she's going to at some point win the title back. Um, like I said, she, her silent movie gets stuff, just perfection. 
Um, let me know what you think. Who are the best women of the year? I gave you my top 10. Give me who you think below. If I missed anyone, let me know. Next, next week, we'll be talking top 10 tag teams of the year. And uh, probably some more other things that's coming out from uh, the next couple of weeks. Again, I'll get on the show next week. If a, if if NXT can pull 900 plus again next week, I don't think they will. I think they'll be mid 800s or high 700s at so, somewhere in that range. If they can pull another 900,000, a point three in the demo, I'll get on next week and admit in front of everyone that I was wrong. But I don't think that happens. Let me know what you guys think of the show. And I uh, thank you for tuning in. Comment below. Like, subscribe, follow us on X or Twitter at JunkyardMG. Like our Facebook page, the Junkyard Media Group. Stay tuned for tomorrow night, Thursday night, episode number two of X's and O's. They debuts the kind of original concept of the show we're not we're not going to broadcast anything but it's the original concept of the show we're going to break down some some big topics and and sports it's extras and o's and tomorrow we're going to end off with a promo for that and then uh we'll say our final things and that'll be it tune in tomorrow to the extras and o's show uh but until next next week this has been another episode in the junkyard.